0: Hello and welcome to Kyranos FinSight, the podcast that explores some of the most pressing topics for financial services. Insights that help you navigate today and anticipate tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Kyranos FinSights podcast. Today, my guest is Soraya Randawa, who is head of omnichannel experience here at Kyranos. Welcome back, Soraya, to the podcast. Before we dive in to talk about omni-channel experiences. What is your role, Kieranos, exactly?
1: Well, Rutger, I have a particular interest in uh, digital experiences. I head up a team that works on the Digital Banking Analyzer, and we dive into all forms of user journeys, whether on desktop, mobile app, or even on account applications. And we bring those uh, insights and experiences to our users. So I'm really happy to be back and to talk about um, some topics that we love to talk about.
0: Yeah, I well, was super excited to talk to you, uh, Soraya. You, you keep a close eye on what's going on in the digital customer journeys. Can you talk to us about what you're seeing in the market when it comes to digital payment journeys?
1: I think it's it's a long overdue focus, really, Rutger, on really thinking about the user when it comes to payments. I think in the past, you will have seen that many users, users would have been forced through different rails, really confusing user journeys, different user journeys. If you join a new bank, if you got a new credit card, you would have to relearn everything because the implementation is not identical. And it's not identical between Rails either. I think that's sort of the key thing that we're seeing, which is a lot better
0: thoughtfulness about the user. And when you talk about Rails, that is how technically a payment gets from A to B. Is that correct?
1: Yes, correct. And there are different ways of how payments get from A to B, depending on who you want to pay and where that money
0: comes from as well. Now, what role do digital wallets play in the digital payments landscape?
1: For me, this is the most exciting thing. I've been looking at digital wallets for over a decade. I feel we're finally at the moment where adoption is is really high. FIS's global payments report for this year has actually stated that in the U.S., you're getting about 12% at point of sale made with a digital wallet. But even better, um, digital wallet usage in e-commerce has eclipsed that of credit card. I think that's a really big deal. And I think the most exciting part is that sort of uh, global view here. Digital wallets accounted for 49% of e-commerce spending. And they're projecting that online payments about 54% in 2026, just a few years, right? It's going to be more than half the population are going to be using digital wallets to pay on e-commerce.
0: Wow, so it is getting real. I actually saw the other day that in Australia they're finally doing away with checks, and I thought, like, well, that's that's an interesting thing. So we're moving from checks, moving to digital wallets. Does the adoption and and use of digital payments and digital wallets differ by generational group?
1: I think you'd expect for that to be an answer is yes, Rutger. I think that is really, it's it's to be expected. What we would expect is Gen Z and millennials to be the biggest adopters and in a recent payments report, (laughs) P-Y-M-E-N-T-S <laughs> payments, they, they really did a comparison to, to get an understanding about that. So about 74% of millennials and then 69% of Gen Z actually stored their debit and credit cards in their mobile wallets. And incidentally, if you think about just what we talked about digital wallet usage in general, the FIS study actually said the vast majority of digital wallet funding comes from debit card. 33% of that is debit card. 31% of that is credit card, 20% is bank account. So it's really sort of financial institution-based here in terms of what you have. They're putting that sort of physical into the virtual. And if you compare this sort of usage to sort of you know, other generations, it's it's far higher. So it's like 30% of boomers and 56% of Gen X actually store their cards in, in their wallets. Now, I think for me, the most interesting thing that when I read this report was... The attitudinal aspect here, more than half of Gen Z and about two in five of millennials, they believe that mobile wallets can replace most or all of the features of physical wallets. I think that attitude also then will drive that usage. So that belief that it can displace what you have in in your bag, or in your pocket is a it, it's a big difference because then it also gives you an idea in terms of the potential adoption of that. If you think about the generational group that's actually using, has the most use cases, it's, it's naturally the millennials here, mainly because, of course, they're the ones who are the youngest generation of adults, right? Your payments use cases increase. So it's whether you're storing ID, uh, storing your plane tickets, boarding passes, making QR code payments, doing rewards or loyalty tracking. Those are the most frequent use cases for that. But I'm going to say something here. <laughs> I I have a 72 year old mother. She struggles with her normal, very big global payment global app, uh, banking app to even get her statements or her credit union app to download her statements. But she showed me how uh, she used face ID authentication to pay her water bill with her with her Malaysian Touch and Go Super app. Right. So <laughs> I think there's a there's a really important distinction here in terms of why generations adopt if it's easy it has high utility if it's a clear use case that makes and that pushes them to use it you will also get a lot better adoption
0: yeah and obviously it has to do with with whether people change from doing it a different way to the new new generations that basically have only known wallets to almost be digital i had this conversation with my 10-year-old daughter yesterday, she sort of said, Hey dad, you have a mobile phone. Why don't I have a mobile phone? I said, so you want everything that I had It's like, shall, shall we install like a landline in your, in, in your room? And she's like, yes. And I got like, no, no, we're not going to do that <laughs> because of course you say yes yeah to that. But it's like, yeah, landlines, no one has landlines anymore. Right. Because we've passed that. And now the standard is a mobile phone. So obviously the different generations will either have to change or the, the younger generations just grow up with it. Now, when when you compare digital journeys from different types of financial institutions, what jumps out to you?
1: I think there's sort of three different, I would say, segments in terms of when I think about the digital journeys, particularly in terms of move money journeys. I would group one where I would say are sort of national, large institution leaders in there. The, the payments rails are a little bit better integrated, so they may mix, you know, perhaps uh, Bill pay and P2P together, or Zelle and transfers together. So there is a, a real sort of movement in terms of integrating journeys a little bit better. I think they've made that recognition. Then there's the fintechs who are a lot more flexible. Now, interestingly, enough, they may not have the same rails as you know most banks, and so I think what they've done is also gotten around it a little bit better through different digital experiences, but also a lot more intuitive, a lot shorter, and a lot more user friendly in terms of their approach. The third segment I those who probably have less control over their rails, right? Less control over the design. And I would say that, you know, you will have a lot of regionals, community banks and credit unions who have to kind of Take what they're provided with from a design point of view, from a UX point of view. They may be able to skin it a little bit differently to sort of match their brand. However, uh, it's relatively rigid in terms of what they can actually do with
0: their journeys. Now, what are some best practices that you see when it comes to customer experience with digital payments?
1: Just back to like what we talked about in the beginning, there are a lot of brands that are now, you know, thinking about the user. And so when I when I, when I think about that, I think of SoFi and it's sort of three-step payment journey where it's uh, who do you want to pay, how much you want to pay, you know, when do you want to get there? So it's a very... Simple, straightforward journey. I think of Chase, which has combined its bill pay and Zelle journey to to really have a much more integrated look and feel. So the customer kind of knows what they're ex- what, what they're going to get. They're not having a bill pay journey that's very, very different from a Zelle journey. I think that's really important if you want to onboard more customers. You get more customers using payments journeys on a, on in your app. The other thing is the apps that have 100% simplicity and one single use case, right, which is Cash App. When you tap into Cash App, you land on that payments page right there and you're inputting the number that you want to pay. It's a very simple app. It's focuses you on the use case, you're not going through multiple screens after authentication. You're going to the screen that you expect. So I think that simplicity also sort of drives the user to know exactly what they're going to get when they go into that app.
0: So simplicity is the key, but simplicity can be hard, right? Like it's to make something look very simple. It might require redesign or rethinking. And obviously there's a lot of things going on in the background from fraud and the technology all needs to, needs to mash together. So yeah, I think that makes, makes a lot of sense that simple is, is ultimately what people prefer, right? Because they want to get money from A to B. They're not that interested in what rails should pick or, or how that gets done in the background. Mm-hmm. They just want it to, want it to work. Now, what is one thing that financial institutions should pay close attention to when it comes to digital payments?
1: The word is probably integration. So with a view to the future. And I think When we look at payments, it's really about integration into multiple journeys. It's about embedded finance, but it's also integration even within your app in terms of where you think someone may want to make a payment. There's two ways to think about it. One, which is if I come into an app or if I come to your site, is there only one route, one happy path to making that payment I want to? My answer is no. The user may want to access it in different ways and you need to make it accessible and highly visible for them. So we're seeing this more and more with tab bars, with payment links, quick links right on the home screen, or even the bots, the digital assistants who are making the payments for you. From a a broader sense of, Rucker, you and I have talked a long time about buy now, pay later, right? That is a really obvious use case in terms of integration in general. So for me, what what the real future is is that integration into any journey that a customer may be making that involves an uh, exchange of money, move, money movement here. And I think for me that word is basically the sort of words that described as is, is both availability and accessibility. Right. So when I say accessibility is you're going to have to set something up as well. You're also going to need to access it. And I always Think about this from a user experience uh, view is if you're making it really difficult to integrate into the different point of sales or different use cases, you're not going to be top of wallet. And I think that's a huge part that many institutions will need to contend with. I also believe at, at this moment where a lot of brands or even broader institutions are rethinking the role of digital wallet, I think there's a really tough challenge out there right? Because there are a lot of first movers who are already there. And I think the key thing here is for banking institutions is thinking about how do I get in front of the customer to support that switch to my card, to my account, or to move myself to the top of wallet? If your customer's going into your app every week, are you putting an interstitial in to say, hey, do you want to put your card in as as the wallet? Are you trying to get them to move them into a digital wallet provisioning journey? If a new customer has taken out your credit card, are you going to be like American Express and say, hey, you've just been onboarded. Why don't you add your new card to these three wallets immediately and give them all the different wallet options right then and there? So it's really thinking about how do you nudge that customer into that journey? How do you really encourage digital wallet provisioning? So I think because of this sort of broader set of integration because there are a lot more players in place, right? To get your card to the top of wallet, it's
0: actually going to be harder. Obviously, in, in a digital wallet, that, that there is something on the screen that could be top of wallet, but here it's also kind of top of mind, right? What is the first card that I think of using or which is available at the point that I need it?
1: So, but, Brooklyn, I, I would even I would even go further, right? Part of this is not even you need to think of using it. I'm a shopper. I love shopping and I'm, I've am i seen uh, since 2020 uh, a big change in retailers in terms of their approaches and the wallets they've actually provided for you as payment options. Pre-2020 or even earlier, the first option would have been click debit or credit card that you would just add and you could add it through your browser-based authentication in there. Now you're seeing other options being placed from a prioritization view on a screen. So as you moved into sort of the pandemic, what you saw was greater adoption as PayPal as one of the options, right? But now it's a proliferation. You're seeing Amazon Pay as an option more frequently. Lately in this past year, and I, you know, based in the UK... I've been seeing Google Wallet. I'm an Android user. So, <laughs> Google Wallet, but I don't see I don't see Google Wallet just as an option, right? Google Wallet is at the top of the options that's being placed. So, what you're seeing as I mentioned is there is a challenge because of the integration of the multiple journeys because of multiple players being placed, what you really get here is a little bit of a battle on the screen. In terms of that, and it's not about you, Rucker, making the choice. They're nudging you towards making that choice.
0: It almost feels a little bit more like at the supermarket, what's at eye level, right? Because the retailer decides where you sit in the, in the checkout journey, versus in my wallet, I physically can determine which cards is on top. So it's my choice. So that's a very, very insightful uh, uh, observation there. Now, finally, we're, we're asking each guest. What is a term or acronym or lingo that you would like to redefine? What is that for you? Sarah?
1: So the topic that we're talking about today, I think it's digital wallet, right? The idea of a wallet as, you know, a singular place is not necessarily um, as relevant when we think about sort of embedded payments here. Maybe perhaps your wallet is a is a management tool because I feel your wallet and everything that you do is, is kind of everywhere. You can now even tell your fridge to go and buy milk is your fridge a wallet, right? (laughs) Um, And it's really interesting that PNC called their checking account or combined checking account, your your virtual wallet. I I kind of view it in in this way where it's a much broader world where you can access move money capabilities you can access payments you can access your money and also you can push or pull money i think it's a very exciting uh, world that we're sort of stepping into uh, again with fed now sort of you know launching this summer with real time payments coming true fruition and that uh, consumers being able to access you know a lot more different applications of move money and also different speeds and times of move money. So watch this space. I'll be back again uh, to talk more about payments
0: yeah so the, the the key question I'm going to walk away here is like is my is my fridge a wallet that's that's what I'm gonna be noodling on today as I, as I think throughout the day. Thank you very much for that. Today's Finights facts is of the one hundred twenty u s checking institutions that are tracked in the curano digital banking analyzer. Only 10% offer automated saving roundups, the majority of which are fintechs and neobanks. So if you want to know more about that, check us out on the CureNOS website or reach out to Soraya for that. Thank you, Soraya, for joining us today and look forward to having you on again in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Ricker.
0: And as always, thank you for listening and thank you to the Curino's Finsights team, editing and production by our senior designer, Adrian Cohen project management by our marketing communications manager, Megan Brissett. Music is by Vision Studios. I'm your host, Redker van Vassen. You can find more insights at curanos.com. Please subscribe and like wherever you listen to podcasts.